Hello, I'm Marcus Morquet, and you're listening to the Churchill Fellowship Interviews, a series of recordings from my 2018 adventure traveling across the USA researching makerspaces and digital technology in schools. Okay, so we're sitting in um, our makerspace now, the school's makerspace, and it's brightly colored and filled with lots of uh, materials, but it wasn't always this way. It had been a dark and dingy kind of a closet. And as I told you, I went to my boss and said, I want a makerspace. And she didn't know what I was talking about five years ago. And then two weeks after that initial conversation, came back and said, you can have whatever you want because every meeting I've been in, everyone's talking about makerspaces. I don't know what you know, but let's make it happen. And so from there, we started to research makerspaces and visit other makerspaces at schools and museums. And then that's how this room evolved. And you know, worked on filling it up with some um, materials that we either had donated. We had a tool drive where we asked parents to donate tools, old electronics for the take-aparts, and then some things that we purchased initially. And like I had said, our um, big old 3D printer that's sitting behind me was a great initial purchase, but I don't know that I would have jumped into something so expensive because we have a great mix of high-tech and low-tech in our makerspace, which is really cool because the littlest of hands can't always handle the high-tech stuff, but they still love to make and to build and to create and design. So the, the mix of the high-tech and the low-tech is really important in makerspace design. And I can see in your room, just looking around, there's heaps of stuff here, low and high-tech. So you've got your robotics and uh, Mindstorms and those sort of things and Sphero's, but you've got a lot of art and craft type things. And you've got a tool sort of a shed over there, more or less happening. Um, what, what stuff do we have in here? You want to sort of run through the bits and pieces? Um, well, some of the things that are the favorites um, are definitely the tools. We always have safety lessons to start with. The kids love the hand saws and use, being able to use the screwdrivers. One of my girls, I didn't uh, tell you this before, but I just remember when she first learned to use a screwdriver and she was taking something apart yeah. and I taught her the saying, righty, tidy, lefty, Lucy. She was so excited. She's like, now, she goes, now my life has been changed. <laughs> and she was so excited by that. So, and the kids, you know, whoever needs it, they learn how to use from the hand drill to the, the screwdrivers, the hammers, the nails, the saws. And um, for a lot of building projects, we've had little boys build tables and some of the girls like to build things that, um, from small little homes for their animals and to just things that they want to put on their desks at home for organization. So you so, mentioned, you mentioned oh, we've got the tools over there, and we spoke about safety before. What's, yes. what's your process for ensuring every kid knows what to do? Well, we go through the different tools, and they have to know how to handle a hammer, so we actually just practice hammering. They get a, like a block of wood, and they practice putting nails in and taking nails out, mm. learning the different weights of the hammer, how to use the different parts of the hammer, whether they're hitting a nail head-on or using the claw to take the hammer, the nail out, and doing everything away from your face, even though they have safety goggles on. Mm. And we talk about why that is. And you know, sometimes you have control, and other times you don't know if you pull with too much force, so nothing goes near their faces. Mm. So, Could you sort of explain the trolley system you've got developed here? Okay, so one of the toughest things that we've discovered, and I guess it's always existed in education, teachers don't love change. It's not really a secret, but we really <laughs> do not love change. People get very comfortable with what they're doing, and they want to hold on to something that might be their favorite, integrating, changing, creating new curriculum, not always a teacher's favorite thing to do. Mm. And we realized that with this makerspace that we were sort of encountering the same problem, getting people to sort of take some of this making back to their classroom made it easier than bringing a whole class here or even half a class because it is a small space. 
So uh, my counterpart, Kathy, and I started to think about if we had mobile carts, then teachers have the comfort of their own classroom and they could bring activities back to their room yes. while still exploring maker concepts and working on maker vocabulary. So we have one cart all on magnetics, another on small robotics. There's an Ozobot cart under there. There's some free building stuff with PVC pipe. And then we have our little bits um, portable station there. And the newest one are the simple machines carts. There's three different ones, a K1, a 2-3, and a 4-5. And that takes teachers through a series of challenges and lessons with building common vocabulary around simple machines and giving them all the materials they need to be successful. So they don't have to do the research and they don't have to put in the extra time because, face it, we're all really busy. You mm. know, teachers don't have that kind of extra time to build things in. But if something's done, they're more willing to sort of start the investigation there. And just as important to meet our students at their comfort level, I've learned that we have to meet teachers at their comfort level too. I'm loving the uh, sewing machine and also the mannequin in the room here. You want to tell us, there's a story you mentioned to me about a boy in grade, so was in grade two. Yeah, he, was in, he was in grade two. And when, yeah. he first, when I first met him, he wanted everything done yesterday. He wanted to do a quick project. He wanted to smash and grab almost. And he, the patience wasn't there. But over the years of working through makerspace activities and working with the design process, going through the thinking routines of parts, purposes, and complexities for take-aparts and things like that, he learned to be a little more patient. And he wanted to create this year was his best year ever. He used the mannequin, was very inspired by it, to create a dress, uh, design a dress for his mom. How good's that? It was so adorable. It would have never fit her, but I wouldn't <laughs> say a word to him. <laughs> but he mixed and matched materials, and he thought carefully about how it might fall on one shoulder. And, and he ran into a big problem when he sewed up one side of it. He realized he forgot an armhole. So for him to go back and be able to thoughtfully take out stitches and start again, Two years ago, he would have ditched the whole thing mm. and walked away or set it on fire. Who knows? <laughs> but he was not a patient boy. And uh, this, this process of this way of working has definitely spoken to him and his strengths mm. and helped to bring that out in him. Mm. That's and a fantastic story. He loves it. And so many of the boys are loving sewing. They're making pillows. And they like the noise of the sewing machine. They like running a fabric through and seeing that instant gratification of the line of stitches and choosing the different patterns. So it's been really fun having that here. That's outstanding. Now, uh, one of the, the feature productions, I guess, is, uh, is your Hexpo. What's Hexpo? Um, what is it? Hexpo is our school's version of a maker fair. Uh, many years ago, I went to the World's Maker Fair, which is held in Queens in September every year. I know there's one in the big, uh, big one in the Bay Area in California, and our East Coast version is at the New York Hall of Science in Queens. And after going there, I was so inspired and thought, you know, we could have one here. Mm. And in talking with some of our uh, parents and our administration, uh, we decided we were going to host one. And our tech teacher, um, tech guru is more like it, he came up with the name Hexpo. So H-E for Heathcote and Expo for Exposition. So it became our Hexpo. And we started our first year with, a, I think it was eight workshops for kids to attend in a small open maker space. Mm. And this past year we had our fourth maker fair, our fourth expo, and it was enormous. It's there was 22 workshops for kids to choose from. There was a giant maker space for kids to go and tinker in and play in. And there was everything from robotics to digital photography, uh, paper circuits. Classes were taught by 
local experts as well as teachers within the district and lots of staff volunteers. And one of the things I think I'm most proud of is bringing the community together for this event, and no one is paid. It's completely on a volunteer basis. Oh, terrific, yeah. So even our community vendors who come in, they're here to connect with the community. Clearly, they make business off of it. Kids go to their camps or sign up for after-school clubs or birthday parties, but we all, it's just about bringing people together Mm. for a great day of making. Now, Christine... I want you to gaze into this crystal ball I'm holding in my hand. Can you see it? I see it perfectly. Brilliant. <laughs> Can you paint a picture for me as to what this makerspace would look like in five years and perhaps how the school would be using the makerspace in five years? In five years, the goal is to have a makerspace in every classroom. Ah. So I think whether this space grows physically or not, because it is a small space, um, to have one that is sort of the concepts that are taught within this room be infused within every classroom would be the ultimate goal, as well as going beyond this school and connecting to a K-12 curriculum. We don't have anything in place right now that's district sanctioned, Hmm. but there are a lot of teachers within the district, myself and Lisa, who you will meet, and Peter, who you will meet from another elementary school and from our high school, where we are really passionate about making connections across the district and within the vertical alignment. And um, while we don't have anything official as far as curriculum, we would all like to be a part of making that happen. Christine, thank you very much for inviting us to your school and us being here. It was fantastic to see uh, what you've got to going here. Love your work. Thank Keep it up. Thank you so much. I Look love to following being your, on your uh, podcast. Look, I can't oh, wait yes, to meet uh, more Aussies when I come to Australia. Yeah, little beauty. Lisa thank and you. I are going to do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you very much, Christine. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Churchill Fellowship Interviews. You can find the complete series at radiocarum.org.